Welcome to Panther Paris, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Paris. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And joining us for one final Stanley Cup final preview episode. You know him well. We know him well. Our boss and our friend, Mr. George Richards. George, how are you doing today? Guys, what's going on? Oh, no, uh, nothing nothing special. Just uh, one day until the Florida Panthers... Uh, start the the final round of their quest for the 2023 Stanley Cup. Uh not a not not a big deal at all. Yeah, I thought they were going to postpone that again, you know, just you know, keep it going. Extend it <laughs> into August. You know, I was thinking maybe the Panthers are just going to Vegas to to have a good time. There are some great casinos out there, uh some great shows, entertainment. I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want a trip to Vegas at the end of a end of a long spring? No, oh, sounds good to me. Let's go. I mean, I'm just going to start it here. George, you've been on the Panthers beat for how many years now? Since 04. So we're on year 19. Did you ever think you'd actually be able to to cover a cup final with the Florida Panthers? No, not really. I mean, I just remember, (laughs) you know, you know, every time you talk to Dale Talon about a trade or this or that, and it was always, you know, we're, we're, we're here to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, in 2013, 14, you're like, Come on, man. Stop saying that. You know, <laughs> it's just come on. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at the moves they've made over the last couple of years, they put themselves in this position, right? I mean, this was what they were building toward. And you could kind of see if Tampa Bay could build it, why couldn't the Florida Panthers build it? Um, yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, I think that there was definitely light at the end of the tunnel that this team could. We talked about a Stanley Cup window, right? We said it was, you know, there were only a couple years for that window to be open. And, and then with Kachuk coming in, it was it opened up a little bit more. And here we are. I just didn't think it was going to be this year. I'll tell you that. No, we were counting down the days to the end of the season multiple times. I mean, we keep talking about it. We buried this team multiple times leading up to the end of the regular season. We buried them in the Boston series after game four. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I'm thrilled it's here. It's it's amazing. They're four wins away from hoisting Lord Stanley above Barkov's head. But like, how did we get here? Well, uh, you got here. Oh, boy, let's talk about that. How about one goal <laughs> wins? How about overtime wins? How about playing to their strengths and not letting puck luck go against them? Right. I mean, somebody I was just on a radio station in, in Buffalo and they were like, is it just that, you know, the Panthers are a team of destiny and the pucks have gone their way? No, I don't think so. I think it's that the Panthers have worked hard enough to where they they're not making mistakes. They're waiting for the other team to make mistakes and they're jumping yeah. on it. And and you look at that Carolina series game two, Florida gets that power play early in overtime. And Carolina makes a mistake in the corner. Two guys collide. They get their sticks caught. Boom. Florida pounces. They're up 2-0 in the series. They've had a couple instances there where the Panthers are not making the mistakes. And the mistakes that they're making are so small that, you know, Bob leaves out a gigantic rebound. The one time the Panthers don't clear clear the puck away, it's in the back of the net. Uh, the Panthers have not made many mistakes 
in the playoffs. I think they've just like, like every coach will tell you a good play. You know, we want to play a good road game. The Panthers have been doing that since the, the, the Boston series. And how many times have we seen in this playoff run where they'll make a mistake, give up an odd man rush, and there is someone flying on a back check, diving. Right. I mean, we've seen Kachuk do it. We've seen Monter do it. We've seen Kudas do it. Everyone's been doing it where it's like everyone is playing for one simple goal of get to like, fix the fucking mistake. It doesn't matter whatever it takes. Yeah, that's been impressive. I mean, you, you haven't seen very many odd man rushes. You've seen the, the odd, the you know, one guy coming through the zone, but – Barkov's how many times has Barkov been that guy when he just races up and makes the play like you said Gudis was one of them um yeah I mean and those aren't you know those are just they were too far in the zone the puck got loose it was that a mistake or not that was just you know something that happens but they get back on their horse and they make a play I, I think that that might be where this 10-day layoff maybe that rust affects the Panthers is that all out blocking shots and all that kind of stuff. I know that's not timing stuff, but it can be timing stuff, right? I mean, they've got to get back into that mode of we're blocking everything. We're getting in front of everything. And that might take a second or two. Um, I I don't expect the Panthers to – I think the Panthers are going to sit back in game one and just kind of let the game come to them and, and kind of get their legs back. And then we'll see what happens as the game goes on. You know, George, there's an eternal question that comes up in playoffs and in most sports, I think the NFL's actually no, it comes up in the NFL too because you got the buy for the one seeds. I'm of course talking about rest versus rust. Sure. Where do you stand on that as we approach um, game one? I think on paper you look at it and you, you you think that it's a detriment, but you know, and and there was talk uh, what the Philadelphia Eagles this year. You know, they didn't have to really play too hard their last couple games, and they had the buy. And then they blew right through the rest of the NFC, obviously a weak NFC. But um, I, I think the rust can be a factor. Um, you know, Sergey Bobrovsky was on such a heater. You know, he's just, you know, he's become like a, a Buddhist or something lately. He's just, you know, Mr. <laughs> in the moment. And it does, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, so the Panthers knew they, they, had, they couldn't control this. They didn't know who they were playing until – what Tuesday or Wednesday night they knew that they had a 10-day break um they've just been taking advantage of it I don't think they've been going to the you know to the elbow room um and taking advantage of it that way but I think that they've been able to get some rest loose to Ryan in remember he blocked the shot he left game four and didn't come back he's fine Nick Cousins was beat up all minor stuff though right so that's good and I think any time that you can give Aaron Ekblad 10 days off is probably a good 10 days off. Yeah, I think Barkov and Kachuk were both uh, battling something with their hands also. Nothing ever made public. Uh, but right. Kachuk especially, you could kind of – and it's it's crazy to say Kachuk especially considering how instrumental he was in the Carolina series putting in three of the four uh, game-winning goals. But uh, – I don't know. You can kind of tell the way he was handling that. Yeah, there was something off. He had like what four shots on goal and three goals. I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That no, no, there was something there. And 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 again with with Barkov, um, he had the the lower body thing when he went into the uh, into the boards in game three. Came back. Um, Paul Murray said that was just a, a that was probably more of a not only precautionary but just. When something like that happens after playing so many games in such a short period of time, 
he thinks that the rest is going to be really good for Barkov. So good point there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I was concerned about the rest versus rust issue in particular, how it would relate to Bobrovsky, uh, who we know plays best when he's playing a lot. Right. Um, so that's, that's a concern for me, but I think for the rest of the team, I mean, this is probably good for most of, uh, most of the Panthers here. I asked, I asked Sergey about it the other day. Um, the rest, and I didn't, I, I, guys, I wrote a big Sergey Bobrovsky story today on Florida Hockey Now. Check it out if you haven't. But I didn't include this. But I asked him, I was like, what about, I asked him about the rest at the end of the year. Because you remember Sergey Bobrovsky is always, he doesn't take a game off the final yeah. month of the season. Nothing but work, 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 work. And he finally got, he, it, he didn't want it, but he got eight games off at the end of the season when Alex Lyon took over. And I asked him, I was like, at the end of now, looking back, did that help you? He goes, you know what? I think it did. So <laughs> Bobrovsky got rest when he's never gotten rest in his whole life. And they've always, they talked about that in, in, in uh, Columbus a lot, that the, uh, the Sergei burnout was real. He was exhausted by the time the playoffs came around. He's not exhausted now. So that's, you know, why not? It's, you know, we talk about hockey culture and all the positives of it and like how these guys are warriors but there's also negatives to it where these guys think like they should be playing through everything. And at the end of the season, I got to start every game. There's a reason there's all these scientific studies about rest and exercise and whatnot. Like you need to be getting rest, whatever you can get in. Now that's not saying like, you know, the Panthers were in a situation where they had to have their best goalie all the time, but like last year's a perfect example. Like you want your goalies fresh at the end of the year. You need to be rotating. You need to be giving guys nights off. Like, there's no reason to be playing 37-year-olds on a second night of a back-to-back when you don't need the two <laughs> points. Like, this is all stuff that's scientific fact. The Panthers and everyone in the NHL need to be following it. Yeah, Vasilevsky's breaking everybody's brains by just playing 70 games a year and then showing up in the playoffs and being great. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't really happen this year. So I guess that maybe even he's human. I think back to... Markstrom last year as like the perfect example of a guy that played too much. And when the playoffs came around, it really burned his team because Calgary couldn't count upon him in that Edmonton series. I think there's a lot of revisionist history about how the rest of the team was failing around him when really it was just if they got competent goaltending, that series is going more than five games, no doubt about it. And then an example that I thought of when you were talking about the Sergey burnout, what was the reputation of Braden Holtby around the league before? What was it? 2017? It was this guy, you can't get it done in the playoffs. So they came into that playoffs, and who was the starter? It wasn't Braden Holpe. It was Philip Grubauer. Grubauer. And he didn't necessarily play poorly in the games that they lost to Columbus, by the way. But they had to go with a different goalie because it just wasn't working with him. And Braden Holpe basically led them to a Stanley Cup on his own. So that's the sort of thing that can happen when you do give a goalie rest. All of a sudden, a guy that's known as a playoff choker becomes a playoff performer. Hey, and want to hear something super weird about that, TJ? Let's just look at the uh, at, at Holby's games played numbers leading up to the seventeen eighteen season when uh, when when the Capitals finally won the cup. Uh, seventeen eighteen, he played fifty four. That's not nothing. It's the least of the numbers that I'm about to read, but it's not nothing. Year before sixty three, year before sixty six, year before that infamous seventy three game season for Holby. So I, yeah, he, he, I, I think there's something to that. He wasn't choking in the playoffs. He was exhausted. Yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and you're not even in net, George. <laughs> I could be. 
All right. We've talked about the Panthers a lot. Let's let's shift over and start talking about their opponent. It's the uh, team built by Dale Talon, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, or excuse me, the Vegas Golden Knights, not Las Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden mm-hmm. Knights. Okay, yeah. Um, TJ gave me the uh-uh and I got confused. But yeah, I was on. getting uh-uh to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it's, Vegas, it's the Vegas Golden Knights, the team Dale Talon built. Um, we got, you know. They uh, got Mark- one extra player. Come on, uh, he helped and the coach George. That's the and other the, piece of it. Well, the, 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 no, that wasn't Dale Town. That wasn't Dale Town. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. I know, but but it's it's just kind of fun to to, to call this series the the team that Dale Town built versus the team Bill Zito had to save from Dale Town. Even though Dale anyway. Town's biggest signing is the big one of the biggest reasons they're here in Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> that's. Um, yeah. Although, but, had Dale Talon signed Bobrovsky to a more reasonable contract, he'd still be here, and we would also have had fewer complaints. But no, that's that's not the point. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, you know, let's just go through the names real quick. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, uh, Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith, uh, Carlson, Petrangelo. Shea Theodore. And a lot of those guys weren't there day one. They, I yeah. mean, Vegas, extremely aggressive in rebuilding that team. From what they were in seventeen eighteen, they were they've they've made no bones about it. Everybody everybody talks about Zito trading around, trading first round picks. Vegas is like we don't care. We're going for the cup. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I I mean that's kind of what happens when you are basically gifted a team that has a lot of talent, a lot of cap space, and then you got a whole bunch of picks to take players who were really good, and you make the cup final, and all of a sudden you're in a cup window with a bunch of ammunition, and you can go out and get Jack Eichel, Mark Stone. Yeah. Alex Petrangelo, uh, you can make all of these huge all-in moves and still have more assets. And you're seeing it. I mean, like we we had a Mike Ryan from the Dan Levitard show on with us, and he was joking that Vegas is the you know the premier franchise. The Panthers are the newbies in town, even though Vegas is only six years old. They're the the wily vets who've been here multiple times, and the Panthers are the team that you know throughout outsiders kind of just happy to be here. Yeah. And, and uh, I do worry about that. The, the, I, I do worry about the just happy to be here thing. I do worry about that. Vegas, Vegas has been here before. They know the the rigors of this whole thing, and and I do worry that the Panthers are playing with house money. Uh, I I do think there's something interesting there in that I don't think Matthew Kachuk is going to play like he's just happy to be there. Uh, and I think Matthew Kachuk has done a great job of influencing the way that the whole team plays. Um, so that is promising by my count. I believe there are only five original Vegas golden Knights remaining on that roster. Two of them are the ones that they got from the Panthers. Yeah. Those guys have been big, right? I mean, since day one, right. Riley Smith, Riley Smith, Jonathan marches. and playing with Carlson Carlson had what? 40 goals that year. He was season, a fourth. Yeah. He was, he, <laughs> yeah, he was a fourth line scratch with Columbus. Columbus made a deal with George McPhee and and the Vegas Golden Knights not to take um I forget who it was it, maybe Brandon said or, or no because he was already gone for Panarin I, I don't remember who but they said don't don't you know and we'll give you Carlson and some draft picks and stuff and and, and McPhee was was awesome making and we talked about this before the Seattle draft I remember being on with you guys about we looked at all the deals that George McPhee made uh, going into the expansion draft, and we were like, okay, what's the over-under on what Seattle's going to do? And I think it turned out to be zero. Seattle was didn't zero. do Everyone, anything. Everyone was shocked. I mean, all shocked. the stuff 
all the stuff that, that that Vegas did to build that team and the but you know Seattle said hey we're going to do it more organically and slowly whatever. Yeah. Um, by the way, we're not on TV. I just wanted to point out that uh, you guys is you guys have some serious playoff beards going on, and uh, <laughs> you know I, we, we got TJ looking like Don Bailey carpets leaning you know hanging around and <laughs> it's 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 very impressive boys. Thank Very you. nice. Thank you. I, I have become a beard guy thanks to these playoffs uh, because I've never, my playoff beard has never been able to grow this long. Uh, so it's never filled in the way that it has. And I quite like it. Yeah. A beard has been prominent for me for a while. It's more out of laziness than anything else. Yeah, but, you th- know. That's, that's a, that's a feature on Alex. That's a character trait. Regardless boys, you'll look good. <laughs> you'll look good boys. You'll look but good. Back to March. So just to kind of drive the point home a little more, he is the all time leading playoff scorer for the Vegas golden Knights. He has been that good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing, I mean, every series has been this way because we've talked about it a thousand times. The Panthers don't have the depth they had last year. This is another series where Vegas has a distinct advantage depth wise, both with their forwards and their defensemen. Um, you're you're going to need Bob. You're going to need Bob again in this series to hold the hold it off the bay because there's going to be times where the Panthers are pinned in their zone where Vegas gets a favorable matchup against the Panthers' fourth line or even sometimes the third line, and it just goes really badly. So you're going to need Bob. That might be the only edge Florida has in this series, right? Is, is in goaltending, and it's not, and it's not as pronounced as some might think. But Aiden Hill's been playing terrific. In this postseason, um, he's I think he's just behind Bob when it comes to expected uh, save goals above average. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the Vegas is deeper forward on, in forwards. They're deeper defensively, obviously. Um, Florida on paper defensively, we know we've talked about it all year, how bad they look on paper, but they've been playing pretty good. So we'll give them, you know, we'll, we'll just let it be. Um, it is what it is. You can't change it. So it, you know, you're, you, you've got what you've got. Um, but that that one edge might be, be Bob at forever, however slight it is. I, I'm surprised the Panthers aren't bigger underdogs right now, betting wise, than they are. For the record, um, by goal saved above expected. Whatever it is, I think he's have at, to do I think pro- Bob's at. Uh, I think Bob's at fourteen, right? Bob's at like nineteen. <laughs> I think you're going uh, really? to do it per 60, though, because Aiden Hill's only played like a handful of games. Well, that's also – well, uh, Aiden Hill has played in 11 games. Oh, I thought it was less. My bad. Uh, I, I do wonder – well, yeah, no, 492 minutes TOI. Um, goal saved above average, Bob sitting at 12.6, Aiden Hill at 8.3. Uh, that's I think that's at five on five, right? Yeah. Uh, George is becoming one of us with the analytics. Yeah. <laughs> All strength. This is according to natural statrix model. Uh, Bob's goal saved above average is 14.5. Aiden Hill is 10.4. Uh, the save percentage, though, Aiden Hill is actually higher. <laughs> right. Aiden oh, Hill's wow. got a 937 to Bob's 935. Bob also had those those games against Boston where, and I guess and Aiden Hill, how much did Aiden Hill play against uh, Edmonton? I think he came in halfway through the series. Right. So because Edmonton had those big games early in that series. I don't think that's why he came in. He wasn't in there for that. So yeah, well, while you're looking that up, Jacob, I'm gonna call it on behalf of the entire Panther Peru podcast. We're completely responsible for George getting into analytics. I don't care if it was someone that's else. That's not true. <laughs> that's not come on. I was trying to give ourselves some a pat on the back there, George. 
Um, I've always, I've, I always like, I like, I like some of those stats. I mean, some of the stats, some of the, some of the analytics stuff, I don't, I don't understand. But, the, but the stuff that I think makes a difference, like I, I pay attention to. I know you, you know? do. And I'm not, I'm not saying they all don't. I just, you know, I'm not a mathematician. So I'm like, I, I don't, I don't get some of that stuff, but you know, some of the things that I think that make a difference when it comes to uh, like goalie stuff. I mean, that, that, you know, that's the stuff that, that Roberto Luongo and the goalie people are looking at that kind of thing. So anyway, um, I, it just shows how impressive that Sergey Bobrovsky has yeah. been in this postseason. It He'll really played is. four games against Edmonton, by the way, 20 the last minutes. four. Yeah. 20 minutes on May 6th. Uh, then the full games in the in uh, the last three games of that, and then full games ever since. Yeah. Important thing to remember is that Corsi is the goalie coach, Jim Corsi. <laughs> Just got to remember that. That is true. He was in uh, Columbus with me, I believe, for one year. If you still have so. his number, I'd love to get him on. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was a. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think he came in the summer that I left. I don't think we were ever together for the full year. Anyway. But yeah, go, just going back to it, I, I agree that the, the one advantage the Panthers do have is Bob. I will say, though, I think the best player in the series overall is Matthew Kachuk in terms of how they're playing right now and with Mark Stahl playing injured. I think the best player in the series is Matthew Kachuk. Mark Stone, it, you mean? Mark, did I say Mark Stahl? You did say Mark Stahl. Okay, I meant Mark Stone. Yeah, Mark Stone's <laughs> clearly playing with a bad back. So I, I think that gives the edge to Kachuk as the best player in the series even though Jack Eichel's also on a heater. Can I, can I you tell know, a quick, can I quick, can I tell a quick Mark Stone story? Quick? Please. Okay. We're at the trade deadline. Um, the, uh, what, what was it? 18, 19, whatever. When the Panthers. It was. Yeah. So the Panthers trade uh, uh, Derek Broussard while we're in Colorado, they trade him to Colorado. And so afterwards we're talking to Dale and Dale, you know, this is Mark Stone had just gotten traded to Vegas. So Dale's like, we were in it till the last minute. Yep. We had Mark Stone. Uh, I thought we had the deal done. And I'm like, well, Dale, I'm looking, I'm looking. He just signed an eight year contract extension with Vegas. Were you offering that? He goes, he what? He what happened? What happened? I'm like, <laughs> you were never in the running for him. He was already negotiating with Vegas. I mean, that was a done, 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 done deal. So were they just using it? I don't know. I mean, Dale was like, what are you talking about? He signed an eight. I'm like, dude, it's right here. Eight year deal. He just signed it, you know. So that just didn't happen in, in yeah. thirty minutes from the trade. You know, that'd been being worked on. So no, the Panthers weren't getting Mark Stone. Yeah, that that was the Dale Talon special. Every single deadline, the Panthers' name was floated in every single big deal, and never once closed it. I mean, he Ryan was ticked Mc- about Cam Talbot though at the fifteen draft. That that Cam Talbot thing is real. He um, was furious. I do about not that. know this story. Yeah, that was um. Oh, Jimmy Hayes for Cam Talbot, right? Which ended up working out because yeah, because we got was Riley a, Smith, <laughs> much better acquisition. But yeah, I mean, I remember Cam Talbot, uh, Ryan McDonough, McDonough. They, I think that fell apart over Borgstrom, right? Yes, Borgstrom. Yep. I, I yeah that that one's only laughable in retrospect. I mean, even at the time. Oh, Borgie, Borgie. We yeah. thought we thought Borgie was going to be good. I mean, we yeah, we yeah, yeah. And, and then we got Anton Lundell and realized what a good finish center prospect looks like. You know, it, it's my understanding that the Panthers thought that their offer was better than the Lightning's offer for McDonough, even without Borgstrom. Because if you remember what the Rangers gave up, it was like a couple of first round picks, one being conditional on them winning the cup, which they didn't in those two years. And then a bunch of crap. 
basically Brett Howden, who's, you know, actually in Vegas now, which is kind of funny. Uh, Libor Hayek, who's been like one of the worst, one of the worst players in the NHL when he actually plays, which is rarely. So Panthers might have been right to think that they actually had a better offer, even without Borgstrom on the table. And I think they were ticked that the Rangers were just going with, well, if you're not going to give up Borgstrom, how can we pass up these these players who are depth players at best? You know, it's like, okay, you do what you want to do. Again, in retrospect, I'm sure the Rangers are happy that they didn't take Borgstrom. Where's Borgie yeah. at Noah, now? He signed back in the uh, I want to say he's with the Hershey Bears. I mean, he, he is. is. Oh, no, but... he went back to Europe. He went back to Europe. No, no, no. no. But he's, but he's they're still playing, playing I think. He's going back oh, okay. to Europe, but he's he's finishing their Calder Cup run. Going back to Europe? I don't think so. That's a LL Cool J song. Oh, <laughs> uh, R.I.P. LL Cool J. You don't know how lucky you are. Back in the Europe. Well, uh, I want to talk special teams real quick. This is going to be the worst uh, PK the Panthers have faced in the entire playoffs, right? Right, uh, for sure, absolutely. This is the they- worst PK. Um, you saw what Edmonton did to him, but that's Edmonton. Yeah, um, that, that's Edmonton's famously, that's Edmonton. yeah. <laughs> the Panthers, I'll tell you what, they, uh, you know, just the last practice they had was on, what, Wednesday? Yeah, Thursday they flew. Wednesday they were working on the power play. I've never seen it look that fast, that crisp. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they've got a little shot of adrenaline after doing what they did to Carolina there in those last three games, but um, – they were moving the puck around as 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 fast and as pure as I've ever seen them. I mean, they looked they looked really sharp on the power. Then that's just practice. I get it. So excited. Um, but but <laughs> but going into game one against Carolina, seeing Florida run the power play, I'm like, they're gonna get killed. They're yeah. gonna get if they're if they come out like this against Carolina, and guess what? They did. Um Carolina's gonna eat them alive. And yeah. now it looks like that Carolina Playing against that power Carolina penalty kill has woken them. Has done something to them. I think. I, I really, I really think that. So keep an eye on that, folks. Insider, keep an eye. Yeah, I mean that was their absolute Achilles heel. Anytime they played the Hurricanes, that power kill destroyed the power play. I, I never thought they'd figure it out in that series. I thought that was going to be a series they had to win at five on five, and they figured it out and basically won two of the or th- all, three of the four games in that series because of the power play. So, if you're uh, Vegas, if you're Vegas, do you want to keep it five on five against Florida? No, your your power play is yeah. re- your power play is really good as well. Mm-mm. Panthers power not a great play. power play right now. Okay, they've had uh, they've had problems in the in the in the playoffs. E- either way, I want you want if I think if you're Vegas, you want this game played at five on four because the Panthers power play is power, penalty kill is also very bad, and mm-hmm. it keeps Matthew Kachuk off the ice if it's uh, if the Panthers are on the kill. So you want this, you want this game, you want, you know, five, six power plays either way. A lot of specialty teams. Um, Panthers still don't have a five on three goal this year. So if there's a lot of power play time that you can get a five on three, you'll probably score. If Panthers get a five on three, they probably won't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is a series Vegas wants to be as played at special teams. Just to follow up on what I was saying, the Panthers power play five on four, 11 goals in 70 minutes and change. Vegas power play uh, at five on four, seven goals in 88 minutes and change. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, I wow. thought it was six, but seven. Yeah. I thought they were better for my mistake. Well, you would think they were better, right? It's like what we talked about all year with the Florida. When you throw those kind of players out there, go fish. Um, when you throw those kind of players out there, it should be better, right? Yeah. I was, I was surprised at how effective the Panthers were on special teams against Carolina. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see if that can keep. And, up. and they I mean, were good at they were they were good on the kill too, right? I mean, yeah. they gave up those uh, two I, goals. I mean, all special teams. <laughs> yeah, the first in game one, they gave up the two. One was at the tail end. At the just as that five on three expired, they gave up the first one, yeah. and they gave up one in the second period. They didn't give up a power play goal the rest of the way. So uh, it's very nice to you that they were working on the power play and that it looked good. It did uh, look good, yeah. Yeah, that's that's very exciting because that's that's going to be an important piece of this, obviously. Well, okay. So back to back to five on five. Could could this be the best five on five matchup of the postseason? Florida's five on five versus Carolina uh, versus Vegas's five on five. They, because they both that's that's their bread and butter. That's where both teams thrive. Is five on five. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I, I'm looking at Vegas's lines for the first time in a while. They really got everything mixed up. Yeah. Because yeah, they're they're not running Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Marcia So right now. Marcia So is with Jack Eichel and Barbashev on the third line. Like we've talked a ton about how the Panthers run a, an amazing third line of Lundell, Reinhardt, and Reinen. Marcia So Eichel and Barbashev. That's scary. We've usually been coming into the series in these playoffs with saying that the advantage is somewhere on special teams. Like the last series, you would have said, "Oh, the, the Carolina penalty kill is definitely going to stop the Panthers power play. They're going to have to win it at five on five. Didn't really turn out to be true. This series right now, it looks like the most distinct advantage for the opponent is the fourth line matchups because the Panthers fourth line, though they did have a big goal in game four, just hasn't really looked great in the playoffs and in the regular season. Uh, But also shout out to uh, Sammy Hagar. George uh, said thrive and five on five. And I was just thinking I can thrive five on five. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Old school, old school boys. That is that is the big uh, disadvantage Florida has, uh, that fourth line going against whatever Vegas is going to have on that fourth line. That fourth line is much better than what – but you never know what Lamborghini and, and Eric Stahl and Colin White, they, they, maybe they surprise you. I don't know. Yeah, that, that could beat Vegas's fourth line. I don't see why it shouldn't. I, I mean, considering there's going to be two days off every time they travel um, – I, you're going to see a lot of heavy minutes from Barkov, Kachuk, Montour. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the fourth line's getting under five minutes, and most of that time is Eric Stahl on the PK. Correct. Yeah. Right. Eric Stahl's PK minutes are going to dominate that fourth line. Yes. Well, and and they they've been mixed. They've been moving Lom, Lom, Lomberg up too. Lomberg's been getting a lot more minutes. They've been they've been double shifting him sometimes up on the third. So, and or, or they've been moving. Uh, uh, they've just been moving, mixing and matching in the third periods of Lamborghini's at least been getting a little bit of extra time. They love his speed. I think in game one, especially you can really just lean on the top guys and just keep sending them out there. I think we should see Montour and Ekblad play about 30 minutes each. Barkov 25, Kachuk 25, Verhage 22, you know, something along those lines. Cause they've had 10 Bennett's days off. Gonna like, get a lot. Bennett's going to yeah. get a lot. I, I think Kachuk's going to be a little bit lower just because he's not on the PK. But yeah, it's going to be your big guy's going to be carrying the load this year. Well, double shift him five on five. You know, put him, put him with Lundell and Reinhardt because E2 might not even be healthy. So I think he'll play by the time the series starts. I mean, oh, George, I think he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Um, he's, yeah. He just, look, people like the shot. He didn't break anything. I mean, right. There, I've been saying there's something we've been saying for pretty much all of these playoffs about how the Panthers set their lines up. Uh, yes, it is getting more common to do to do things this way in the NHL, but Vegas, much like the Panthers, has these three combinations of two players. 
and I'm not talking about the defense pairings. They they have these pairs on forward that really make it possible to just roll at least your top nine. So yeah, where where we have our top line of our great top line, then we have the duo of uh, Bennett and Kachuk, <laughs> then we have the duo of Reinhardt Lundell. Uh, Vegas has the duo of Eichel Marcheseau, then the duo of Stevenson Stone, then the duo of Carlson Smith. Uh, it, I'm very interested to see how the teams are going to match up against each other line for line. I know, Alex, you kind of said, oh, Eichel's on their third line, but is he really? Like, No, it, you're right. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they match up five on five, and I don't just mean how they look against each other. I mean which lines are going to be targeted to play against which other lines. I, I don't think you're going to see Bruce Cassidy get out coached either. So no. this is going to be a very, very, very equal, equal matchup and uh battle of wits, but you've got to, you've got to like the, the, you know, the experience and, and everything, not only from Paul Maurice, but his entire coaching staff, they've all, you know, kind of been around, you know, they've, yeah. they've seen everything. They're not going to be surprised, but neither is Bruce and his bunch in Vegas. So, um, you know, you're you're not going to be able to take advantage of too many things on either side. I don't think. One thing I do want to point out real quick. Uh, I mean, I haven't compared it to the other teams, but just looking at the lineup for uh, Vegas, this is going to be the biggest team the Panthers have played in the playoffs, and there's not a skill drop. I mean, if you go through their entire lineup, there is one active one player who plays in every game that's under six feet, and that's March or so. Everyone else is six foot or above. Their entire defense is six foot 200 pounds or above i mean the smallest guy in their defense is shakes theodore at 6'2, 197 like and they're all skilled i mean this we as a podcast rail against you know size over skill but vegas has both and that's going to be something to contend with especially in a seven game series those big defensemen for for, for vegas are gonna be a difference maker i think and alex i can't believe you also would forget about the notably 511 phil kessel he hasn't played. He's not in lineup. I know. That's why I said actively <laughs> playing. They they need to play Kessel in one game. Um, I forgot he was there. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh, but now I hope they play him in one game. So if Vegas does win, Kessel gets his name on the cup again. Well, he he played in enough regular season games where he's automatically on because he played in every one of them. I just think it's fun that, that that Keith Yandel's working for uh, Bleacher Report, and so now we could have a Keith Yandel, Phil Kessel in the press box moment. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. The Iron Man eating popcorn. I got I got a counter to Vegas' size though. Mark Stahl, six foot four, checkmate. There you go. Great point. I'd rather, I'd rather have Braden McNabb at six foot four though. Great point. I would rather have Carter Verhage at whatever height Carter Verhage is. No argument. I, I, I'm just saying Vegas has the scary combination of size and skill. Six they foot do. two, by the way. Yeah, Verhage's listed six two. Interesting. No. Barkov is uh, listed six three. Uh, Reinhardt that I seems think, legit. Is also listed 6'3". Reinhardt's always been a funny one to me, his listed height, because he just doesn't play to his, his head size. is so small. That is head right. is so small. Also that. Also, how, where were George you... Is when, just shaking his head at us. Where were you when you learned that Sam Reinhardt is taller than Radko Gudis? Radko Gudis isn't big. He's six foot. I know. He's not that. Radko Gudis is not six foot. I've just... Uh, then, I, I'm, then, I, then I'm six foot, because it, it's like... Well, you actually might first, be, George. You're a little bit taller than me, and I'm like 5'10", 5'11". When we first, you know, we did all the Zoom stuff when Gudis got here, and we did all the Zooms, so we didn't get to meet him. And all you've got, you know, in the in the, in the the Zoom call is, 
you know, this, and it's all beard, you know, and he's just like this. And you're like, oh, man, this guy's a monster. And then we finally get to talk to him one-on-one, and I'm in the locker room, and he's just in a T-shirt. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy, this guy plays, he plays like King Kong, and he's not a big guy. He's, right. he's not, he's, you know, not big-shouldered, not, he's not. And then you see him on the ice, and he's a, you know, he's a kamikaze, just a wrecking machine. And it's right. like, God bless, man. And that's you know? exactly why I have that mental image in my head that like, oh, Radko Gudis is this giant monster because he plays like a giant monster. No. Right. Not so. <laughs> Unless you're wearing triple XL shoulder pads or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's a, yeah, he's not a small fella. I mean, he's obviously, you know, ripped and all, and all that stuff. And he plays with an attitude for sure. But it was just surprising because we had, right. I hadn't, You'd, I'd seen him play all the 2000, you know, the 2021 season and all that. And then in 2022, we finally get to hang out and just talk. And it was like, it was kind of eye opening, you know, after seeing him play an entire season the way he plays. And then to, you know, to stand next to him. And it was like, we're, you know, right there. And I'm just, you know, I was expecting to be interviewing him like this, you know, and. Anywho, yeah, you know, the Panthers don't really have a whole lot of rostered players who are listed under six feet either, and zero on defense. Also, of the players who are actually going to play, Vlad six four, Forsling six foot, Guda six foot, uh, Mahura six foot, Montour six foot, Stall six four, and then the forwards. The only the only forwards who are play who are going to play regularly who are below six foot are Lomberg, who his size is not a detriment to his style, Nick Cousins, and Anthony Duclair. I think, I think you know, with Florida running, you know, the forecheck as, as hard as they do, you're going to see a lot of uh, collisions where the Panthers kind of bounce off people, you know, yeah. where they take the brunt of the hit that, they, that, they, right. that they're laying out. I think we're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see Bennett go in and, and then just kind of go off to the side. I mean, because <laughs> Vegas has some big boys. Yeah, Yeah, they do. But I, I think Florida's got some size to match, and also the skill there, and the and the knowledge they know how to hit too. I mean, I mean that hit. <laughs> oh yeah, that hit do. on that hit on Slavin was textbook. I mean, you couldn't yeah. draw up a better. You know, you feel bad for Slavin for not being in there. Right, <laughs> unfortunate result, but perfectly clean. And the, and the Panthers took advantage of that, not having Slavin on the penalty kill. They get two two power play goals in game four. So they've been able to take advantage of whatever the opposition has, has, has given them. Back to my point from an hour ago. Oh, I got to point out something on that Slavin hit. When he tripped and everyone freaked out, it looked like he tripped over a stick. Like it wasn't like, oh, I've got a concussion, I'm falling. It looked like he tripped over a stick and then he got pulled by the spotter. But that's neither here nor there. Um, he got. I, I don't know that he got pulled by the spotter or just he just couldn't stand. I mean, you, like he stumbled so many times. I mean, he wasn't coming back over that. Yeah. Game. No, no, that was the right move. He was okay. Yeah. Great thing all around. He was um, out of it. He was, yeah. Uh, we got to wrap this up, so I want to do two things real quick. I want everyone to pick an X factor in the series from either team and, uh, and a series prediction. Let's do X factors first. George, you want to start us off? I'll go with Sam Bennett. I think Sam Bennett is going to have a heck of a series. I think Sam Bennett is going to uh, – not only score goals, but 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 uh, like I said, with that four check, he's going to be able to, to force some turnovers with him. And and, and Kachuk might get all the glory of it, you know. It might because you know, that's just how it works. Um, but I think Sam Bennett is going to play a, a a big role in this series. Jacob, uh, you know, 
last last series I tried to be a little cheeky with it and I picked Etu uh for the revenge series. Uh and while he didn't have a bad series, I wouldn't exactly call him an X Factor. This is the Stanley Cup final. It's the biggest stage of the year. Uh I I'm gonna go with the guy who's been showing up at the biggest times, Matthew Kachuk. But that doesn't think, really fit the X Factor criteria. Yeah, it does. Everybody's going to be tuning in. Everybody. X Factor be... doesn't mean dark horse. It means difference maker. You're playing chalk, baby. You're yeah. playing the chalk. Alex, what do you think? Do you think that qualifies as an X Factor? Absolutely. This is not okay. underrated guy. This is who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the series? Okay, uh, I think it's going to be Alex Petrangelo because it's it's really to me Ooh. like. I, no, I'm I'm Ooh. saying this is where the series. Hear That's me out. Pick. This is where the series hinges on. I'm not saying Petrangelo is so good. You got to watch out for how good he is. No, listen, hear me out. Vegas's top six is good, but Florida has the better top six, and that top six has, you know, been what they rode to get here. So if Petrangelo can shut it down, Vegas is going to have a very good time because they have the depth advantage. They have an advantage pretty much everywhere else in the lineup. But if those guys can beat Petrangelo and whoever he's playing with, I think he plays with. Um, Brain McNabb. I think I'm not sure. Alec Martinez. Okay, so I'll just use that pairing overall because I, I that sounds right that they're going to utilize those guys against Kachuk or Barkov. You know, probably a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. It's I think it's really down to who wins that matchup for me because you know what we were talking about Vegas's fourth line is better than Florida's fourth line. That's great. How much can that really matter though? I'm booing uh, you for not picking a Panther, TJ. Well, I'm about to do the same thing. I think the X factor in the series is Aiden Hill. George mentioned it earlier. He's been almost as good as Bob over the last couple of weeks. I, I expect, I don't know if Bob will keep playing at like, holy shit, he is the best goalie in the world good. But if if Aiden Hill can be somewhere in the vicinity that Bob is, I think that changes the series. I think if Aiden Hill revert, plays at an above average level, the Panthers win this series. I think if Aiden Hill reverts to what Aiden Hill is, the Panthers are winning this in four or five. Um, <laughs> Goaltending matters in the cup final. If you're not getting great yeah, goaltending, you're not winning. Uh, that, but that's my point. Like Aiden Hill is, he's a tell that to the, let's go with the 2013 Blackhawks. Okay. They had an all time great roster. Right. And Corey Crawford was one of the worst goalies to win a cup at that point. Fair enough. Okay. Um, moving on. Cause we're way over time here. Uh, predictions. TJ, go. Tried and true Vegas in five. Let's go. Coward. Jacob. Panthers in seven. Coward. George? I said Boston in six. I said Toronto in six. I said Carolina in six. Vegas in six. Howard. It's Panthers in five. Cats in five. Heat in five. George and I are on the same page. Listen, I could see it going either way. After the – I never saw Florida beating Boston. I didn't think that they were they were a good matchup for Toronto, but I could see them beating Toronto. Carolina, obviously, we were all on the same page. Florida could win this series, no doubt. Um but this one I can see going either way, just like Carolina I could see going either way. And Florida ended up winning that one in four. But every single game, one goal game, three in overtime. I mean, that, that series could have turned on a dime, just like, you know, Rod Brindamore said. I, you know, it was kind of a dumb quote that we didn't get swept. You felt like you didn't get swept because the series was so close. But yeah. you got yeah. swept. Um, same here. <laughs> I mean, this, this, series, this series could turn on a dime uh, in a single game, and the Panthers have – worked hard to be the beneficiary of that. So if they can keep that up, hey, keep the train going. All right. Um, this episode was brought to you by uh, Tarnowski Lopez Law. We're now officially in business, guys. Uh, All right. Property insurance and personal injury needs. 
Uh, where are they rating us five stars? Uh, rate us five stars at the MGM Grand Casino in Las Vegas while you're there to watch the Panthers. I, uh, I'm going to switch my law services over because right now I've been going to the the, uh, the law offices of Alexander Barkalov and Associates. And... <laughs> um, George, I know you got the Bobrovsky story. Anything else coming out on Florida Hockey now? Oh, we got a ton of stuff coming out on Florida Hockey now. We've been killing it, baby. We've been, I mean, the numbers have been phenomenal. Thank you to everybody who's been reading Florida hockey now. Um, like I told you last month, it was our you know, last day. April was our biggest on Kodak black month. Well, we surpassed <laughs> that in May. Um, so we've had two gigantic months back to back folks are checking it out. I appreciate it. Uh, we got a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of stuff coming. I mean, I, I talked to the TNT. I was on, oh, I, I didn't talk to them. I was on the call yesterday with the TNT guys talking a lot about Matthew Kachuk. That'll be tomorrow. We got Colby is out there in Vegas starting tomorrow so colby will be uh, filing missives from there um today's media day friday is media day in vegas so we'll have stuff from that so it should be a lot more stuff coming uh yeah i can i can echo that from from our side of things too our download numbers have been very very good uh recently weird it, it, it's crazy what a what a cup run will do for you uh for your engagements <laughs> so yeah for sure all sources of Florida hockey now have benefited from that, the writing side and uh, and the audio side. That's it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, enjoy the playoffs. When you guys are listening to this, it'll be game one. It's either tonight or if we can get this out today, uh, game one will be tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, Cats in five. The rest of you are cowards for thinking any less. Heat in five, and uh, we'll see you guys after game one. Peace.